Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story. Well, first of all, let us acknowledge all of the veterans out there. It is Veterans Day. I always thought Veterans Day was celebrated on a Monday. My kids were home from school today, to my surprise. And I did. I, I was thinking my father was a World War II vet and my brother was a uh, Vietnam era vet. He was in Thailand. He was over there, but they were both volunteers. They both went young at like the age of 18. They both love this country. And I learned a lot at my father's knee about love of country, but it was absolutely positively always couched in the reasons for loving the country. And he pointed out that America was extraordinary, not exceptional. He never suggested that we had a, were an exception to the law, the rules of sovereignty. He always said to respect the sovereignty of other nations. He uh, he would point out what was so great about this country, and it was the liberty to be yourself, to uh, practice your own religion, to exchange freely in the marketplace, and all of the prosperity and joy that came from that. And the moral basis of it being that no one could tell you what to do against, for example, your own religion. And he, oh, it was never my country, right or wrong. Uh, it was always something more concrete than that. And it was based in uh, morality, liberty and justice for all, very important to him. And a couple of things he told me along the way. One is he was strongly opposed to segregated troops whatever, there was a lot of racial segregation when he was in the service and he thought that was very wrong. And he used to cite for me, pointed out to me that the Japanese segregated troops were the most decorated uh, division in the service in World War II. And I actually tried to verify that today because I, I remember him telling me that, but I thought, you know, that I could have heard that wrong. Might be lore, family lore. And I found the 442nd Regimental Combat Team, a segregated Japanese American unit, is remembered today for its brave actions in World War II. Despite the odds, the 442nd actions distinguished them as the most decorated unit for its size and length of service in the history of the U.S. military. And this was during a time, I believe, when FDR had concentration camps. I remember the great, however, totally liberal, but truly great man of integrity, Jeff Adachi in San Francisco, had all four of his grandparents were in a Japanese internment camp during World War II. And I uh, so I just think that's an interesting thing. Never heard anybody bring that up. And I always like to remember the people who fought for what this country was worth fighting for, whether the fight was that fight. We can talk about it another time, but I always thought they took the best and the brightest, the people who gave their lives for what they thought was goodness and rightness. And I always try to remember the fallen soldiers who didn't have children on Father's Day as our fathers, uh, even if they aren't our physical fathers. I always trust, try to remember the ones, the young ones that no, maybe nobody's left to remember. So thank you for everyone who has made sacrifices with the intention of preserving our liberty, even if our liberty is on the wane. 
So uh, I wanted to hit on a story that I've been covering this Travis Scott story. People have been contributing little tidbits about it along the way. I got a DM this morning on Twitter. I sent, uh, I tweeted it. I, maybe you saw it, Binkley, that Travis Scott was one of the. If you're, if you're not familiar, this is the story where Travis Scott had a concert. It's called Astro World. People are said to have been crushed to death. I don't believe that story. And the original story, which has not really been directly contradicted yet, was that eight people, young people, teens, young adults, died of cardiac arrest. Some people said that there were they were getting jabbed with needles. There is something fishy going on here. I expect it to roll out a different concert. Uh, regulatory environment or tradition or whatever. I think they want to control those big concerts. And I think they not only want to control them to the extent they uh, exist in physical space, I think they want to control them or maybe push them into the metaverse that Binkley is actually broadcasting from right now and is uh, talked about extensively in our recent Rockfin video. And we've just been talking a lot about it. It's what Zuckerberg came out and announced when they changed the Facebook parent company name to Meta. So what I thought was one of the things that might be behind this Travis Scott is if people are scared of events or if the government wants to put policies in claiming that it's because people demand them, even if it's not actually true, maybe they want to push people into the metaverse. And one of the features in that Zuckerberg clip that uh, you played for us, Binkley, was the uh, a friend, friends going to a concert together, one in real life and one in the metaverse, but they uh, feel like they're together, supposedly. And I thought maybe this is one of the things. Well, uh, at Matt Fassi Music tweeted that Travis Scott was one of the first to perform in a digital meet space at the beginning of the pandemic. It was, I think, April 2020. And the article he cited was about there was a marshmallow concert the pre pre previous year that had 10 million people attending. It was a Fortnite epic thing. And so they were completely ready for a big digital concert experience before the pandemic. And then when the pandemic, just in April, Travis Scott was ready for it. They, what they did was, there were a lot of complaints in the comments that it was kind of more like a music video, that it was actually the album and some graphics that was exciting. They had, you were in there playing, players were there. They could have zero gravity and shoot people. There's It's one of the comments or one of the articles passages was there was an absolute bloodbath before in this game before Travis Scott came on. And uh, what they were complaining about is that it really should have been actually live. It should have been Travis Scott, the artist, or people should have been there interacting with the crowd like a real concert that would have made it more concert-like. It did have um, encore presentations, but the point is they made, and the way they described it of things popping out at you and a, an exploding globe and everything, it really seemed like the metaverse thing. So I'm, I'm continuing to believe that one of the major points of the Travis Scott operation is uh, to promote the metaverse over real life and the advantages of being in virtual space over real space. Well, it certainly did a good job of that. And another concert-like thing that I saw yesterday was that show that's kind of like The Masked Singer, which is one of the creepiest shows of all time, except it's like an avatar singer where the singers are in another room and it appears that they're virtual avatars with – it they actually look like characters from the movie Avatar are singing in front of the judges. It's really creepy and weird. 
Are the avatars masked? No. Okay, so the avatar art is your mask. Yes. That's funny. So I was actually talking to a friend of mine who she's totally into crypto and she's also doing stuff in the metaverse, which was very Allison McDowell-like. So she's in some space where she just bought like a taxi medallion. So there are gas stations. They don't have hospitals yet. They're building this space and you can buy real estate inside the metaverse already. And I asked her to come. We, I want to do the next, if you're available, maybe you're not, Binkley. I should have asked you first, but I was hoping the last Saturday of the month we could do our next Zoom party. And as per the suggestion of the of people in the last one talk about crypto talk about just wealth creation in general and also now i want to talk about what what is wealth creation in the metaverse what is meta money you know i just i think that'll be interesting if you're available that weekend i'll confirm the date and everything but if anybody is great at wealth creation has ideas of how to be independently wealthy and get the f out of dodge or we have lots of people who are going to talk about crypto. We'll probably maybe spend half the time on that. But in metaverse, like how it's going to operate economically, anybody who wants to participate in that, even if you're not a patron saint, if you have something to bring and you're willing to spend a little time with us, that would be great. Email me at thepropagandareportpodcast at gmail.com. And with that... I want to move into the Kyle Rittenhouse story. I have the list of charges, quite a few charges. The last one is the one that blows me away. But Binkley, maybe you can lighten lighten it up by injecting a little silliness that seems to have come out of the Rittenhouse story. Well, I think this is humorous, although it potentially also divisive and just damaging to the country is that the Rittenhouse judge is being called racist on social media and by a lot of blue check marks because during the trial yesterday, which is really turning into like an episode of the Three Stooges at this point, it's getting a little bit ridiculous. It's another weird thing happened. The judge's phone went off during the proceedings. Obviously, he forgot to silence it, and it revealed that his ringtone is Lee Greenwood's God Bless America, a song that Trump plays often as his entrance song at his rallies. Therefore, the judge is racist, the judge is biased. This is what a lot of people on social media are saying. And if there are not already calls from the prosecution to have a mistrial because of the judge, then that could possibly be a thing. We're already seeing calls for a mistrial from the other side, from the defense, saying that with prejudice, they want to they want a mistrial with prejudice so that they cannot then again prosecute Kyle Rittenhouse afterwards, which is an interesting situation because the juries and the, the jurors in this trial could be targeted. They, they could be targeted, and so they could be in jeopardy, which could make it difficult for them to find him not guilty. But if the judge were to declare it a mistrial with prejudice for the defense, then that could take the heat off the, the jurors. But it also would cause the the opposition, so to speak, to say, well, they didn't let the uh, peer of his – you know, as the public decide his fate. I think any outcome, there's going to be riots. I, th- I think it doesn't matter what the outcome is. There's going to be riots. Well, they gave today's Veterans Day. The cops are supposed to be off, but they wouldn't give them off in case a verdict came out today, which sounds. I, they, you think there's any chance there's a verdict today? It seems far fetched. I don't know. I think it's wrapping up. I don't know how much longer they have on this. I, mean, thing. I think they've covered okay. the bases. Well, it's. I don't. I. I, I the idea that his ringtone went off during the trial to me just adds to the idea that this thing is being highly produced and uh, staged. But 
I, one thing that caught my eye and I found extremely annoying was that both the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, I would consider them the left and right of newspapers of record, refer to open their Kyle Rittenhouse stories is that he is charged with homicide. Charged with homicide. What, what does that mean? You can't be charged with homicide, right? I mean, homicide is what happens when you kill somebody in self-defense, for example, and you're not charged with self-defense. So you have to be charged with a kind of homicide. So it can be murder. It can be manslaughter. It can be whatever. So I had to, and it took a little dig. Nobody's really talking about what he's charged with. So I have the charges. I'll just rattle them off. It looks like there are seven different charges. Um, Maybe I won't just rattle them off, but uh, I'll try to make it quick. First degree, reckless homicide and use of a dangerous weapon. So reckless homicide means you didn't mean to kill the person. It's reckless. And um, it is connected to the death of Joseph Rosenbaum. And it says that uh, you there's no video of the moment that Rittenhouse pulled the trigger. So I don't really know what happened. And uh he could go to jail for 60 years for that. First degree, recklessly endangering safety and use of a, use of a dangerous weapon. Somebody uh, was supposedly in the line of fire, so he endangered somebody who he did not actually kill. Then first degree intentional homicide. This is where it gets tricky and use of a dangerous weapon. Intentional homicide, as we learned from John Lott, often gun killings are lumped together, intentional homicide and murder. But intentional homicide is quite often self-defense so that you actually would always want to separate those out. You want to stop gun murders, but you want to promote self-defense. That's what guns are good for. So uh, we don't know. This is attached to Anthony Huber's death. It says you see him running down the street after shooting Rosenbaum and uh, Huber leaves at Rittenhouse, swings a skateboard at his head and neck and tries to grab his gun before Rittenhouse fires. So that could be self-defense. It would carry a mandatory life sentence if it is not mitigated by a self-defense um, verdict. And then attempted first degree intentional homicide, and that's shooting Gage Grosskreutz in the arm seconds after he shot Huber. But Grosskreutz came at him with a pistol. And he did survive. And then there's a couple of other things. First degree, reckless endangerment, uh, recklessly endangering the safety of others and possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. But it's the last one that really blows me away. Failure to comply with an emergency order from the state or local government. Listen to this. Rittenhouse is charged. After all that, Rittenhouse is charged with being out on the streets after 8 p.m., a curfew imposed by the city, a minor offense that carries a fine of up to $200. Schroeder dismissed the charge during the second week of trial after the defense argued that the prosecutors hadn't offered enough evidence to prove it. That blows my mind. It should be absolutely an evidence is absolutely because anybody who took a video i mean that metadata or whatever the data that's in that video you can you can determine the time and place so i'm not buying that but i think they threw it in there in this ap article just so you knew that if only he obeyed that law none of this would have happened yeah that was one of the issues that the prosecution brought up after it had already been dismissed that the defense was like this has already been dismissed why are you bringing this issue up again and it just made the prosecution look 
fumbling and just like they didn't know what they were doing. I think everything about this trial, one thing we can definitely take away is that regardless of the outcome, there is going to be reasons for people to say, well, it's not legitimate because the judge was biased or the prosecution was incompetent or the jury is afraid. So I think it's going to be delegitimized by the media. Any all roads lead to a riot, you think? Yes, that's what I think. And that falls right. I think the focus is going to then shift to the Ahmad Aubrey case after that. And, you know, who knows where it's Agreed. going to go. Hopefully it's too cold to riot right now. So the surgeon. So as you know, uh, kids as young as five can now get the Pfizer shot. But parents are not as enthusiastic about that as public health officials might want. In fact, over 60 percent of parents are either going to wait and see what happens or they are openly like, I'm not getting my kid that shot. And over 50 percent are worried that a mandate could force their kid to get the shot without them wanting to. So to combat this hesitancy, the Biden administration is putting on the great American child vaccination propaganda campaign right now, which just started this week, has Jill Biden going around the country to elementary schools to promote the vaccine, has the administration contacting schools, reminding them to push the vaccine and saying you can tap into the billions of federal dollars, you know, a good bribe, just like a good mobster would do. And a guide was released, a toolkit was released from the Surgeon General that tells people exactly how to talk to their conspiracy theorist family members, I'm presuming around Thanksgiving time, in order to get them to be okay getting their kid vaccinated. And this guide is designed for anybody that has any influence is basically is who it targets, you know, school teachers, people who have a radio show, religious ministers, anybody who has access to lots of people and influence. And it gives you a couple of things like a checklist to to use every time you come across health related content, like the checklist says, before you pass the content on, did you check with a CDC or local public health department to see whether there's any information supporting the claim being made? That's one thing you're supposed to check. Second thing is, did you ask a credible health official, professional, if there's any information to support the claims? Did you type the claim in a Google search engine to see if it's been verified by a credible source? Did you look at the about page of the website to see if you can trust the source? And if you can't check all those boxes, then you are not to share the content the Surgeon General recommends. And a couple of interesting things in this guide outside of that is it has these little scenarios and it has pictures with it as well, where it shows what you're supposed to do and it tests you on what you're supposed to do. And it makes clear through these demonstrations that you are not to get information from friends of yours because public health information is changing and too complicated and you must only get it from official public health sources. And it actually says this in the guide. It says, when you're talking to your conspiracy-minded friends, try not to focus on the content of the claim. Instead, focus on the wider issue and how they feel about the issue. So never actually address the content and the facts that conspiracy-minded people are presenting only how they feel. They don't want people thinking. They don't want them having actual discussions about legitimate facts because they will be subverted away from the public health officials and they don't want that. And my least favorite part of this guide is that they do a scenario where it says, 
if a family member or friend of yours is given a negative diagnosis, a bad diagnosis from a doctor, and that family member seeks out alternative information, then this is how you stop them from finding alternative information about a bad diagnosis they just got from a doctor. That ticks me off because this guy doesn't say anything about a misdiagnosis. It doesn't say anything about getting a second opinion. It doesn't say anything about how quite often doctors are wrong. My mom was misdiagnosed for nearly 18 months, years and years ago, before they actually finally figured out what it was that was going on. Another family member of mine was recently misdiagnosed. And had we not demanded getting a second opinion, we would still be on the course of a, a wrong diagnosis. They're telling you if you get a bad diagnosis and we say there's nothing we can do, you are to accept that and prevent that family member from going and get better information. This is horrible. This is a subversion tactic to just accept what the public officials say. It doesn't matter if your life is on the line. Did that article even bother to make an argument of why you should get your child vaccinated with the COVID vaccine? Did the does it even say what the what Biden's argument is for why? A child no, the, to get vaccinated? The whole thing just skips over the actual evidence supporting it. It just focuses on misinformation. But I mean, there's a, not even a there's not even a reason because they don't yeah. get it. Right. right. So the they don't get COVID. So the and if they start getting it now, you can say that you can see that it would be highly correlated with rolling out the vaccine. Yeah. Well, I um I have some uh, a story to watch out for about some Navy SEALs suing the Biden administration. I will tell you about that in the XR. And uh, we do still have one big story left for the free 30. It's where Binkley's going to tell us about nine new political tribes in America. Maybe I can chime in with having been accused of belonging to a despised tribe myself. I'll tell you about that if we have a little back and forth time. And but before we get to that last big story, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. I I want to talk about the Navy SEALs lawsuit against the Biden administration and some observations I've been gathering about the immune system that may just make you think about it a little different. Just a kind of original insight of mine. I wanted to share it with you. And uh Binkley's going to tell us about the war games being held in Israel today. Sounds ominous. But before we get to that, a big thanks to the sponsor of today's show. I'm going to the Granite State Spice Blend friend of the show, Matt, who you if you live in New Hampshire and you went to the farmer's market on Saturdays in Pelham in October, you might have met him. So he asked me to um, tell you about his products. I've used them. I like them. He says, go to your spice drawer and check the ingredient labels on those plastic bottles of stale discolored powder that have been there for years. If you're seeing silicone dioxide, try calcium phosphate, monosodium glutamate, and a bunch of other scientific terms you can't pronounce. It's time for an overhaul. Do you really want to be eating the ground up version of what's in those tiny packages you toss from your shoe boxes that clearly state do not eat? Well, that's what silicone dioxide is. And it's found in loads of FDA approved foods disguised as the anti-caking agent. 
I wouldn't eat it, and I sure don't want anyone listening to the propaganda report to be eating this either. After all, we need to stay healthy for the big move into the tunnels or the outlands. After you chuck all of those states stale spice blends or use them as pest control in your garden, come over to granitestatespiceblends.com and refill your pantry with a load of small batch spice blends that are sure to please. Matt Pierce and his wife, Kim, own and operate Granite State Spice Blends in Salem, New Hampshire. And they are a craft spice blender creating some tasty concoctions for meats, veggies, and anything else you want to add flavor to. Their ingredients are treated with the attention and care only a professional chef can give to such an important part of your food, the flavor. They toast all the seeds and chilies over applewood and Fogo brand premium lump charcoal using a big green egg and lodge cast iron. And their herbs are muddled in a marble mortar to release the full flavor and aromatics resulting in a spice blend that will transform your food into something amazing. They never add any mystery fillers or chemically derived flavoring agents. It's just herbs and spices. So out with the old and in with the new. Granite State Spice Blends will bring the right flavor to you. Find them at GraniteStateSpiceBlends.com, live free or die, and don't forget, Propaganda Report listeners ordering online can use the code TUNNELPEOPLEUNITE10, all one word, to get 10% off their entire order. I So far, we've tried the taco seasoning, and we love it, which is a pretty high bar to pass for a house dominated by the... A, Texican. So that's good stuff right there. And if you enjoy our products, our Propaganda Report product, please support our sponsors, including the Granite State Spice Blends, and also support us. You're about to end the free viewing. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, actually, I recently got taken down from Facebook, so I don't know if this is even getting out there. But when we did that last live stream, we did got taken down shortly after it started. So, but if you're listening, watching somewhere other than Rockfin, this live broadcast is going to end at the bottom of the hour, but it will continue for Rockfin subscribers. And of course, Patreon subscribers get this and every day, as long as, as well as Rockfin subscribers, get the full 50-minute commercial-free DNB every single day, including the XR sec- segment. So go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. Look at our tiers. Look at our offerings. Choose what you like. We have been told many times that we give the most bang for the buck. And with Rockfin, you get all of that and... All the exclusive content of all the other creators on Rockfin. So hopefully some of those things appeal to you and you want to support this show, even the free stuff. Get the word out. Please subscribe. Thank you so much. And now on to the last big story of the Free 30. Did you know that there are nine political tribes in America? I had no idea. I had no idea until earlier today. I found out about these tribes from a Pew Research report that was published earlier this week. Of the four, or nine, excuse me, four lean left, four lean right, and one are the stressed people that just don't want to deal with politics anymore. I'll give you a quick rundown of what the groups are, at least how they characterize them. On the right, we have the faith and flag conservatives at 23% of Americans. And these are Christians who 
are Trump supporters, and they're the type of people who think that he won in 2020, and they're highly politically active. Committed conservatives, 15%, which these these this group, they don't love Trump as much, but they they differentiate from the previous group because they favor working with allies more where the previous group is more the America firsters. We have the populist right, which is 23% of Republicans, actually. Um, Trump supporters with restrictive immigration views. And then we have the the right that doesn't really care as much. They're more moderate on social issues, and they don't feel quite at home at the, in the GOP. On, How, what percentage is that? That's 18%. 646. Yeah, OK. Uh, and then there's a left where we have the progressive left at 12 percent this is the very liberal they like leaders who identify as democratic socialists these are the bernie sanders people they are the most politically active of all of the groups and they differ from establishment liberals because they support sweeping changes to address racial injustice the establishment liberals which they support dim leaders dim leaders and they favor compromise then we have the Democrat mainstays, which are moderate, less liberal than others in the Democratic Party on immigration and military and crime. And then we have the outsider left, which is 16 percent. They're very liberal, especially on climate and race, and they are dissatisfied with both parties. And then, of course, the stressed sideliners, which is 15 percent. They are. They tend to be economically stressed, but they, what they have in common is their general disinterest in politics. What stood out to me the most about this is of all of the groups together, the one that has the smallest number of people in it is the progressive left. And that group is also the group that of all of the groups is the most politically active. And in my opinion, is the group that most influences what we see in the mainstream media. So the smallest group that's the most politically active is projecting the biggest voice, making it seem as though their ideas are the majority ideas when in reality they're the minority ideas. So I wonder if I'll tell you that I was I was trying to get a guest on the show. I guess it was a reach. I didn't realize it was out of my league. But in order to kind of persuade this person to come on my show, I sent him a sample. And the sample, my favorite one, of course, is my interview of Ron Paul on my radio show. And he, so it opened with, I guess me saying, I never really went back to listen to it, but I must have said that I was an anarcho-capitalist. So this guest responded that he's not a member of my tribe and he if he were to come on my show, he would just slay me or whatever, or something like that. And I and I actually don't call myself an anarcho-capitalist anymore because capital capitalism has so completely become a uh, synonymous, really. And I'm not even I don't even think it's it's that they've stolen the language of it. I think that financial capitalism, fiat money, cronyism, fascism, all of this stuff has really become what what people who promote capitalism actually mean by it. I mean, they talk about how to use the money system and how to, um, I, I don't know, use policies to promote business. And that's not what I want. That's not what I want. I don't like public private partnerships. I don't like any of that crap that people who call themselves capitalists now kind of embrace. So what I am is a proponent of free markets. And I guess that makes me closer to an agorist, which would be 
where you kind of try to operate in the gray markets as much as possible. Don't even use money if you can possibly avoid it. I like that a lot. But just basically, I'm for economic freedom. I love mom and pop entrepreneurship. Doesn't sound like that was a category in your grouping, but I think I was really surprised when I first started on WSB how many people were like, wow, I can't believe you're on the show because uh, on the radio because they all learned that at their father's knees, just like I did. These were traditional conservatives and big L classical liberals. And it's and I feel like that they don't wouldn't even put them in the list, although there are plenty of us out there. I mean, I, I don't call myself a traditional conservative or a classical liberal, but it's definitely more in that circle. But here's a little game. We have a minute. Look at the list and tell me if you think that there is a media outlet or other kind of signature brand that you would associate with each one of those individually, because I feel like this is a move towards siloing us. They're not looking to give us nine parties. They're looking to give us nine echo chambers. Yeah, well, we could say that the faith and flag conservatives would be OAN. Is that the one that airs? Yeah, One American News. Mm -hmm. And what, Gab? Because I'm thinking social media. Possibly Gab. Yeah, because that's the Christian-oriented one, and that would be Gab, definitely. The committed conservatives, that's probably Fox News. And what would be the social media outlet for those people? Facebook? I mean, I'm not saying Facebook is like that, but like, where are these people going to communicate with each other? Maybe Facebook on that one. Maybe Telegram. I'm not sure there. Probably Twitter, definitely, with that one. The populist right? Because so the faith and flag conservatives aren't going to be on the traditional social media because they're talking about the election challenges and stuff. And, you know, that'll get them kicked off of there. The committed conservatives, I don't know if they would. They're probably not talking about Trump winning the 2020 election as much. So they could probably be on Twitter. And I think you get Facebook. that. Fa- that's a Facebook crowd. Don't you think Facebook is a little bit older than Perhaps. Twitter nowadays? Yeah. And. Those both could be a rumble crowd, I think. The populist right, populist right, that's a tough one. That one is kind of similar to me to the faith and yeah, conservatives, except minus the Christian, direct Christian. See, I'm thinking Steve Bannon here, although Steve Bannon does talk oh, about he, Christianity. Oh, yeah. He's bit. all about like into like occult Christian themes if you really yeah. dig in. Yeah, I would say that one's a gab also. That one's also a, a rumble. Maybe um, what is that? Bit shoot, and then yeah. the right that doesn't care as much. They're probably on any of them because they're probably they're more moderate on all of it, so they're welcome on all the social media outlets. The progressive left, that's definitely going to be Twitter. You're going to see a lot of that on Twitter. In fact, the progressives don't really get kicked off of stuff as much. Some of them, if they're too far left, if they do Antifa type material, they will get kicked off of YouTube. But, but there's the that, general communist identity politics stuff. TikTok's got a fair amount of that, I think. TikTok, definitely Twitter. Twitter is almost predominantly progressive journalists. There's like a large percentage of it. There's, a But I'm so engaged on Twitter with people who are like minded. Well, we're in our silo there, but I follow a lot of people yeah. on the left. So I, my, it's flooded. I understand. Is okay. Flooded yeah. I do not. I, am, I silo myself all the time. I hate, I hate crossover. I don't yeah. like argument. I just, you know, very Dem, interesting. Dem mainstay, Dem Democrat mainstay is definitely YouTube, a lot on YouTube there. And which, although, 
they you can't like on YouTube anymore, right? Or unlike, dislike. Oh, did they change that? I don't I know. I think they I think I, I remember you brought the story that they were talking about doing that after Biden just got overwhelmingly disliked all the time. I think you and, can still you can still like and dislike as oh, of right now, okay. but they were talking about changing. It might be some videos you can and some videos you can't because my son was just like, you can't dislike anymore, like just yesterday. So maybe yeah. it was just that video because what they don't want, what they really care about well, is disable that. It. Yeah. When Biden talks, they disable the. All right. OK, that's it. So what they really want is for you not to be able to assess the general mood yourself. Yeah. They want to they want to carry it that very, very interesting. Well, I Every don't time they that. don't do the disable or dislike, it's like a hundred yeah. ratios, like a hundred likes yeah. to like a thousand dislikes. It's unbelievable. So I'm not going to do a shout out today because I want to save time if we can squeeze in a couple of questions and answers at the end of the XR. So anybody who's watching and can post here in the chat or the comment section, you can accumulate questions over there. And then at the absolute end of the show, we'll go and see if there are a couple of questions we have time to answer. So with that, I think we're moving on. All right. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform at the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and check out our tiers there or rockfin.com slash propaganda report and check out what we offer there. We will talk to y'all in the DMBXR or next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.